Mark chapter 1. We're going to be continuing right along in Mark this morning. We started Mark a few weeks ago, two weeks ago, I guess. And uh, Lord willing, we'll make it through the whole book over the next couple of years. And uh, so we just, we're just going to truck along a few verses at a time. Uh, if, you, if you care to follow along and you, you missed the first couple of weeks in, in our introduction in the first few verses, uh, you can find all our sermons online. If you go to the Enterprise Baptist Church Facebook page, you can get to them from there. If you want to get to them on your phone, I can tell you how to do that. But all of our past sermons for the last three years are on there. So if there's any of the books we've gone through that you want to uh, uh, go back and listen to some of those, they're available. So I just wanted to remind everybody about that. Mark chapter 1. Verses 16 through 20. We started the book of Mark by, by Mark establishing who Jesus was. Uh, Mark uh, attested to who Jesus was by writing this book. He talked about the prophets who talked about who Jesus was, the Messiah that was coming. He talked about John the Baptist, who was a witness that testified about who Jesus was in his coming. Uh, he told us about uh, Jesus' baptism and that the Father uh, was, was pleased with his Son and the Holy Spirit descended on Jesus uh, like a dove. And we have all of these people at the very, very beginning of the book of Mark that are testifying to who Jesus is. He has made that foundation for us, and that's what the foundation of all of Scripture is. Uh, it's about Jesus, and Mark uh, is no different in that way. Uh, last week, we talked a little bit about Jesus beginning his ministry, ministry and preaching and teaching about the kingdom of God. He said, the time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God has come near. Now, Jesus had went through a little period of temptation, and after that temptation... He began to do what God had placed him on this earth to do. He began to travel around and he began to tell people the good news. He began to tell them the gospel, as we saw in the verses last week. He told people the time was near, uh, the time was fulfilled, the kingdom of God is near, and you need to repent and you need to be saved, you need to be baptized, you need to enter into the kingdom of God. And so we had that in just a couple of verses last week where Mark covered for us the beginning of Jesus' ministry. One thing that happened close to the beginning of Jesus' earthly ministry was his calling uh, his disciples, or sometimes we call them apostles. Now, if we're in Christ, if we're Christians, we are disciples. Jesus told his apostles to go and, uh, to all the world and make disciples of everyone, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And that's what the, uh, the, the 12 who were with Jesus, along with other followers of Jesus, did at the beginning of the church. And we see that taking place in uh, the book of Acts. Uh, but Jesus had 12 uh, that were with him uh, pretty closely throughout his earthly ministry. And uh, you can read about them through the different gospel accounts and on into the New Testament. But as we go through the book of Mark, he doesn't really, he doesn't really paint the, the disciples in a very positive light. It seems like they're always a little clueless. It seems like maybe they question things that they should understand. And that's not uncommon for us to see that of the apostles throughout the, the, the writings. They're still trying to understand what Jesus is saying. They still don't quite get it. He used many parables, and he would explain these things to them, but, but it seems like they weren't ever quite sure. 
And uh, so sometimes when we have doubts or we're not quite sure or we think, well, I don't understand that, well, we're not alone. The ones who were closest to Jesus and walked next to him, there were many things they didn't get. And Jesus would have to explain it to them as simply as possible. In these verses today, in Mark chapter 1, verses 16 through 20, uh, we see an introduction there to Jesus beginning to call some of these uh, disciples or these early apostles, some of the twelve who were with Jesus. So we'll read and then we'll pray and then we'll talk about the text a little bit. Mark chapter 1 verse 16. As he was passing along by the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and Andrew, Simon's brother. They were casting a net into the sea since they were fishermen. Follow me, Jesus told them, and I will make you fish for people. Immediately they left their nets and followed him. Going on a little further, he saw James, the son of Zebedee, and his brother John. They were in their boat mending their nets. Immediately he called them, and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired men and followed him. Let's pray. God, I thank you for these words, and I pray, God, that the Holy Spirit would help me to speak a message today that's going to, to, to be good for us to hear, dear Lord. That's going to be good for me, even though I'm speaking it, dear Lord, is from you, and I need to hear it just as much as everybody else. And I pray, God, that we would all hear your word, and I pray that we would learn something from this, dear Lord, and that we would heed your call. Dear Lord, you may not walk by us when we're fishing and call us to be your disciples, but you do call us to be your disciples, dear Lord. We see that in your word. So God, help us to be so faithful, to be obedient, to give what we need to give to follow you just as the disciples did. And I pray that you hide me behind the cross. I pray that you just let the Spirit speak through me this morning. I pray that you recall to my mind just the things that you want me to say. And I ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Many things that we see in the gospel accounts are, are repeats. They're covered by the different authors, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Now, they each had their own individual personalities, and they each had their own things that they were kind of focusing on and singling out. And so there are different stories and different details of different stories uh, that, that each of them uh, may, may mention in, in these little stories. Now, some of these things may sound very familiar, but may have slightly different details, which could mean that there were multiple events that occur in some of these stories we see. Or it could be that they're giving us different viewpoints of the same event. Now, this, this passage is about Jesus calling these early apostles to follow him. It's kind of hard for me to figure out exactly what order and how these things came to be. Now, if you look in the different gospel accounts, if you look in Matthew, for instance, in Matthew's account, in Matthew chapter 4, it follows pretty closely to what Mark's account is. It's a very brief description of what happens. Jesus is walking along the water. He sees a couple of them, says, come on, follow me. They leave their nets and follow him. We don't see any, any discussion, any hesitation. They simply leave their nets and follow him. And then he sees a couple of more and they leave their nets and they follow him. And that's, that's kind of what we see here in Mark and what we see in Matthew. Those stories are both pretty close to the same. But when we look at the, the account in Luke chapter 5, 
we have some different descriptions that are given to us. Now, we won't read that today for time's sake, but if you want to look it up later and read Luke chapter 5, you'll find a story that goes something like this. Jesus is preaching to the crowds, and the crowds are there, and he gets into Peter's boat, and he asks Peter to push out a little bit from the water, and as he's in the boat, he begins to teach the people from in the boat. Then he proceeds to tell Peter to go out into the water a little deeper and to cast his nets and catch a fish. Now, Peter is a little hesitant to do so because they had been fishing and they hadn't caught anything. Now, here comes this Jesus telling Peter, who is a professional fisherman, to go out in there and cast your nets again. Now, Peter said, all right, master, I'll do it. At your word, he says, I'll do it. Even though he was a little hesitant, one, he referred to Jesus as master, which is, I think, a little clue for us there maybe. And two, he did what Jesus said. And if you never heard the story, they ended up catching a bunch of fish. And, and that's kind of how that story goes. And then eventually they follow Jesus. And so what we have in these three accounts in Matthew, Mark, and Luke is we have these disciples who are following Jesus, but they all have a little different details. Uh, Matthew's account and Luke's, or excuse me, and Mark's account have just a few details, while Luke's account has a lot of details. And so we have to ask ourselves the question, are these things that occur all at once, or are these things that occurred at different times? Well, I will tell you, I don't know. I don't know if they were all happening at the same time or not. If you look back in John, as he is baptizing people, there are some who see Jesus coming, and John says, hey, look, this is the one, this is the Messiah. And, and they go and they follow after Andrew, I believe is who it is in John's account. He goes and, and follows after the Messiah, and then he goes and finds Peter, and he says, look, we have found the Messiah. And so obviously there is some knowledge of Simon and Peter that they had found the Messiah, now, whether John's account would have happened before the event of, of, of these passages today, I don't know. It would seem as though perhaps it would have happened before, and they decided to follow him afterwards. Now, I don't know if these events all occurred on the same day or not. Perhaps it's possible that one day Jesus came by and asked him, uh, hey, put your, put your net in the water, and they saw what Jesus did, and they acknowledged that he was a Savior. And the next time Jesus came back through, they said, follow me. They said, all right, we've seen this guy. We believe it's Jesus. We're going to follow him. We already know John told us there's enough clues that put together that this is Jesus. That could have been how it occurred. Uh, or it could, have, it could have been one event that simply Luke gave us more details to than Mark and Matthew did. Mark and Matthew may have just cut to the chase and said, yeah, Jesus said follow him, and they followed him without giving the details about the catching of the fish. Whether it was a one-day event or whether it was stretched out over a few days, uh, we will call this event, what I like to call it, is the process of discipleship. No matter how long that process took or how many times they may have encountered Jesus, there was a process they went through of becoming disciples. And that process involved, one, them recognizing who Jesus was and choosing to follow him. Now, Jesus is probably, I won't say he's not going to, but he's probably not going to, let's say, walk by us on the shore next time we're fishing. That's probably not going to happen. Jesus is not going to walk by and say, follow me. But Jesus does want us to follow him. 
He wants us to follow him and learn from him, just as he wanted the early disciples to follow him and learn from him. I believe that God's word is full of Jesus saying the same thing to us. Follow me. Jesus is telling us that all through the gospel accounts. When he's preaching and teaching about the kingdom of God, and when he says it's among us, and there are those who are already entering into it, and he says it has come near to us, Jesus is inviting us to follow him into his kingdom. He is the king, and if we submit ourselves to him and desire to be his disciples, we enter into his kingdom and we serve under King Jesus. And the gospel accounts in the New Testament, I believe, are full of scriptures that are calling us to do exactly what Jesus called the early disciples to do. Follow me. Jesus is calling you to that today. Now, whether you're a Christian and have been one for a week or have been one for 50 years, or you are not a Christian, that calling is true for all of us. For those of you who may not have put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, I want to let you know that he is the Son of God, that he gave his life for you on a cross, that he suffered, that he was, that he was beaten, that he was mocked, that he was nailed to a cross, that he was put in a grave, and three days later, God resurrected him from the grave and gave him victory over sin and over all the things that we struggle against. Jesus Christ has been victorious. And that is who you need to follow. I don't want you to follow uh, anything else of the world, any other foreign teachings. I don't want you to follow materialistic things. The Bible wants you to follow Jesus Christ. I want you to follow Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ wants you to follow him. If you haven't followed Jesus Christ, you need to follow him. There's no one else you can follow that will give you forgiveness of sins and fulfillment in life apart from Jesus Christ. So for those of you who have never followed Jesus Christ, God is calling you to follow him. Jesus wants you to follow him. He wants you to be his so that he can love you and take care of you and, and take your burdens and your worries and your fears and all those things that we carry. Jesus is there to lighten that load for us. He's there to carry our burdens if we come to him and follow him instead of the things that we may be following. The call to follow Jesus is something maybe even the Christian needs to be reminded of. We as Christians need to continue to follow Jesus. Following Jesus is not just a, a one-time thing in that, okay, I came down, I got baptized, I'm a follower of Jesus, therefore my work is done. Following Jesus is a lifelong commitment to service. It's not something we do once a week. It's not something we do once in our lifetime. It's something that as Christians, we should be striving to do every day of our lives. Now, we may not be go through the process of discipleship in the same way that the early disciples did, but I believe that we are also going through the process of discipleship. That is, not just following Jesus from the onset as soon as we decide to accept him as Lord and Savior, but to continue to grow in Jesus, to continue to be <clears throat> discipled by Jesus through his words. It's a process that I do not believe ever ends. Now, I may be wrong. There may be some Christians in the world that say, nope, I'm already, I'm, 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 I'm good as I can be. I've been following Jesus. He's discipled me. He's taught me everything. I know it all, and I'm not growing anymore, and I'm not learning anymore. Now, there may be some people who are so bold as to say that, but I can say for myself, I'm not one of them. I'm still going through the process. I'm still learning. I'm still like the disciples that read something, and I think I know it, 
And then years later, I'll read another scripture like, golly, I had that wrong. I don't think that's exactly what God's word meant. And so I'm kind of like the, the disciples in the Bible in that I'm going through the process. Yes, I've decided to follow Jesus, but I'm still growing and I'm still learning. And even after walking with Jesus for three years or so, give or take a few months, uh, the apostles, they still were learning. They still were growing. And for us, even for some of you who may have walked with Jesus for many years, chances are, I bet you would say that you're still growing. You're still learning. You're still reading in God's Word. So what is the process of discipleship? And how, what are some things that we may can look at in our life that will help us uh, grow in this process, some things uh, that are important to us? What is the process of becoming a disciple? Well, one thing that we see from this passage is that the, the men who found Jesus, that he called to be his disciples, they were looking for Jesus. They found Jesus because they were looking for Jesus. In Luke chapter 5, uh, verse 4, uh, or no, excuse me, John chapter 1, verse 41, Andrew reported to Simon, we have found the Messiah. So when Andrew recognized, when John pointed out, hey, there's the Messiah, there's the Lamb of God, when Andrew followed him and recognized, whoa, Jesus is the Messiah, what did he do? He went back and he told Simon, a.k.a. Peter, a.k.a. Cephas, he went back and he told him, he said, look, we have found the Messiah. Now, that leads me to think that they were looking for the Messiah. If Peter had not been looking for the Messiah, along with Andrew, Peter would not have cared. Andrew would not have been excited about going back to Peter and saying, we found him. I believe that he was excited to go back and tell him. Why? Because they were looking for the Messiah who was to come. They were looking for Jesus. And when they were looking for Jesus, when he came, they didn't miss him. Now, there are a lot of people in this world, and maybe some sitting in this room today, and you're not looking for Jesus. There are maybe as many people in this world that don't believe Jesus even exists as there are people that believe he does exist. And there are many people who are not looking for Jesus. There are, however, many people who are looking for love, who are looking for happiness, who are looking for satisfaction, who are looking for contentment, who are looking for joy. And those same people who are looking for those things, many of them would not even acknowledge that Jesus exists. They're looking for what Jesus can give them without looking for Jesus. As a result, they are missing Jesus. Now, for some of us, we may be looking for our sins to be forgiven. We may be looking for what true love is. Well, guess what? I'm going to tell you today where to look. You look to Jesus. You look for Jesus. How do you look for Jesus? Do you look for him walking down the street? Well, you can, and a miracle may occur. But you look for Jesus in God's Word. If you want to find Jesus, if you want to learn about Jesus, if you want to, if you want to know, is all this stuff true? Is this really true? Can I really believe all this? Can I really trust this? Is Jesus really who he said he was? If you want to find Jesus, read God's Word. Because that's where you're going to find Jesus. If you pray to the Lord and say, God, I don't know. I don't know if I believe in you. I don't know if you exist. I may be crazy for even saying these words. But if you do exist and Jesus is your son, then God help me to find him. And if you look for Jesus, guess what? I, I believe that you will find him. I can't guarantee it, but I just about can. If you look for Jesus, I just bet you that you will find him. 
And that's what happened with the early disciples. They looked for Jesus and they found him. That's part of the process of being a disciple. If you want to find Jesus, you must be looking for him. You must be searching God's word. You must be praying to the Lord. And God, through the Holy Spirit, will help you to see the truth. The next thing that the early apostles did, when they saw Jesus and they recognized who he was, they followed his lead. Now, I would look at Jesus uh, and his disciples and leading his disciples is the most serious game of follow the leader that there has ever been. Follow the leader is a fairly simple game. You've probably all played it at some point in time in your life. Now, it's good to be the leader. I remember when I was in kindergarten in school, uh, we used to have a, little, a little, little basket. We would go up to the snack shack. Some of y'all remember that if you went to ASC. And we would pick up the breakfast for our class in that basket, and we would bring it back uh, to, to the class. And whoever was the leader got to go get the basket of food. Or when it got time to go up for lunch, whoever was the leader that day got to stand in the front of the line. And boy, it felt good leading those people because wherever you go, they got to follow you. That's how you play follow the leader. Somebody leads and everybody else follows exactly what they do. It's not a hard game to play, but I believe that Jesus and the disciples was probably the most serious and important game of follow the leader there is because Jesus, guess what? He is our leader. Now that's hard for us because we like to be the leader. It was a bummer because there were 30 kids in my class and I only got to be the leader once ever, like 30 weeks or something. And we like to lead and we like to be in control and we can't wait for our turn to lead. But Christianity is not about us leading, but about us humbling ourselves. Now Jesus is our leader. And Jesus was the leader of the disciples. He would go and they would follow him. And he wanted them to do everything he did. He was giving them the pattern. He was showing them the way. This is how you love people. This is how you care for people. This is how you interact with people. This is how you preach the message. This is what you do. This is how you do it. And for three years, the best leader that's ever walked this earth led the disciples, the early apostles. He led them. He showed them the way so that when he left, when he was resurrected and went back to heaven, he could say, all right, now I want you to go. And guess what? They did. And they began to go and they began to teach other people. And they began to learn. And other people began to follow their leads and to come to them when there was a problem and say, look, we've got this struggle. And they would give them good advice. Here's what you need to do. You need to do this or you need to stop doing that. And they were leading the people. And guess what today? We're still following the lead of Jesus Christ. The early apostles, they went through the process of discipleship by following the lead of Jesus Christ. And that's what you and I are called to do. We are to follow the lead of Jesus Christ. Well, how do we know what Jesus tells us to do? Guess what? It's in the Bible. That's how we follow what Jesus tells us to do. We read God's Word. Now, upon becoming a Christian, we also receive the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit, I believe, works in us and, and helps us to understand things and guides us and gives us those little feelings or those little urges or puts those thoughts in our minds about a person maybe we haven't seen or talked to in a while. And maybe we should talk to them and Maybe it's the Holy Spirit letting us know these things. And these are the types of things that we read God's Word and we follow His lead. And through the Holy Spirit, we follow the lead of Jesus Christ. 
Now, Peter, when he was in the boat with Jesus and Jesus said, let down your nets, Peter could have said, you're crazy. You don't know what you're talking about. I'm the leader of this boat. I'm the captain of this boat. I know where to go. I know where the fish are, and I know how to catch them. Now, that might be what we do if somebody tries to give us advice on something that we're an expert in, or at least we think we're an expert in. But that's not what Peter did. Instead, when Jesus said, here's what I want you to do, Peter said, at your word, Master, you told me to do it, so I'm going to do it. Now, we might need to learn a lesson from Peter right there. Because here's what happens sometimes in my life, and y'all probably have never had this happen. But I feel through that Holy Spirit that's in me, or maybe through a scripture I read, that God is saying, I want you to do this. And you know what I say every time? Master at your word. No, that's a lie. Hey, forgive me. I don't say that every time. You know what I say? I say, not me, God. <laughs> I'm not going to do that. No way. Every once in a while, I may say at your word. But I don't want to say at your word every once in a while. I want to say at your word every time. Now, even the disciples didn't say at your word every time. Obviously, Peter stumbled a little bit. But it should be our goal, and I think that that's a, a good goal, a goal that we will never reach, but we should strive. Let me say it that way. We should strive to follow the lead of Jesus Christ and follow the example of Peter. That is, no matter where Jesus may put us, no matter where he may send us, I want you to go here, I want you to go there. We need to know that Jesus is going to be with us. Jesus was in the boat with Peter. He didn't just send Peter out there alone. Jesus was with him. And I got news for you. Wherever you are, whether it's through your job or whether it's through a vacation or whether it's through a trip you take or whatever it may be, wherever God has put you, I got good news for you. If you are his, he is with you. Jesus is with you. And so whatever he calls you to do, whatever he, he puts on you, then guess what? He's going to be with you. And if Jesus is calling you to it, you can rest assured there are going to be big results. They caught a big net of fish. They saw the results instantly. Now, we may see the results instantly. Sometimes we do, but sometimes we don't. But just because we don't see the results, I can promise you if you're doing what Jesus has called you to do, you've done what you need to do. And so we need to be reminded of that, that Jesus is with us wherever we go. And if he's calling us to something, then let us learn from Peter's words here so that we can say, Master, at your word, I'm going to do what you call me to do. I'm going to follow your lead. The third thing that I think is important in the process of discipleship, when we look at these early disciples and these accounts of this process of them following Jesus, is they gave up something to follow Jesus. They could not follow Jesus without giving something up. Now that's a hard one right there. Because guess what? The same is true for you and I. Now, we may be living a life of, of, of sin, and we all are sinners. Even those of us who are in Christ, we still sin. But, but if, if, if you're living apart from Christ and you've never accepted Him, you may be hanging out with other people who are not in Christ. You may be hanging out with lots of friends that are bad influences on you. And it may be that when you become a Christian, you want to kind of get away from some of those things that may tempt you because you don't want to fall and you don't want to sin. Now, that's a hard thing to do, to give up friends and family 
It may be the healthy thing for us. Now, what I'm not saying there is once we become a Christian, we are to avoid all sinners at all costs. That's not what I'm saying at all. Even Jesus interacted with the sinners. I'm not saying that. But there are things that we may need to separate ourselves from or things we may need to give up. The early apostles, when Jesus called them, it says that they left their boats, they left their nets, and they followed Jesus. They gave something up. Now, this would have been their livelihood, their boats, their nets. This would have been something that they would have needed to live on to provide for their families. Now, obviously, they had homes. We see that later on in the passage when they go to Peter's home and check on his sick mother-in-law. I don't know that they sold everything that they had. They sold their home. They sold all their goods. I don't know that that's what the Scripture says. Maybe they did that or maybe they didn't. They still had to have a livelihood. They still had to survive. But at the very least, they gave up something. You see, that's kind of my struggle. I'm, I'm a black and white thinker. And a lot of times when I think about giving up, I think, well, you either got to have, you either got to have something or you got to have nothing. You got to give it all up. And maybe that's the case. And maybe that's what God is going to call me to one day or call all of us to one day. But I think it's better for us to not think of giving up everything, but start with giving up something. If we want to, to grow in the Lord, if we want to, 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 to live in this process of discipleship, maybe there's something in your life you need to give up. To say, God, I'm going to give this up for you. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give this up because I know it's going to help me to grow, draw closer to you. It's something I want to do, but God, I'm going to give something up so that I can grow in you. I made a few examples here. These are just things that came to my mind that may be good for us to think about. One thing that we may could give up is sleep. Now you say, well, how's that going to help me to draw closer to the Lord? Well, what if instead of sleeping 30 minutes extra, what if you woke up 30 minutes extra and prayed? Maybe you did it five minutes. You woke up five minutes early and you started your day with a, with a five-minute prayer and you read, read two or three scriptures. Give up a little sleep, get up a little earlier, and you grow in the Lord. Maybe you, maybe you, you, you give up a few minutes at the end of the day. Maybe every day... You come home and you watch TV for hours when you get home because it's good and we like to sit back and relax and watch our favorite shows and, and that's all well and good. Maybe, maybe we say, God, I'm going to give up 10 minutes tonight of my TV time and I'm going to turn the TV off and I'm going to read your word. I'm going to read a chapter of the Bible. I'm going to pray to you, dear Lord. You see, we need to start somewhere and maybe it's just giving up a little something. Maybe it's giving up a little money. Maybe there are people that you see that have a need, and maybe you don't ever give to the Lord in any way or ever help people that have a need. But that's what God calls us to do. I'm not saying you have to give your whole paycheck. You give as the Lord leads you to do, but pray about it. Maybe God's going to put an opportunity. It may be buying a hamburger for somebody you see walking down the street. You say, you know what, I could use this money, but I'm going to give up this five bucks, and I'm going to buy them. Well, you can't buy a hamburger for five bucks. Who am I kidding? I'm going to give up this ten bucks, and I'm going to buy them a double quarter pounder with cheese, and I'm going to king size it. I'm going to get them the best my $10 can buy. Maybe it's something as simple as just giving up a few dollars, giving up a little bit of time, giving up a little bit of sleep, giving up a sinful behavior. After all, that's what Jesus called us to do, that we are to repent and we are to follow him. It may be that there's some sin going on in your life and you need to give up that sin, a.k.a. repent of that sin. Or it may be that God's calling you to do more. Maybe you already give a little, do a little. Maybe some of you, God's convicting to do a lot more. Sometimes God does that. 
I'm not by any means trying to be passive aggressive or make you feel guilty that you need to sell everything you got and give it to the Lord or else you're horrible. That's not what I'm saying. But there are times that God does call people to give up everything and to live for Him in faith. And it may be that God is calling some of us to do that. One of the most beautiful stories, I think, that I've ever heard of somewhat modern times is the story of George Mueller. I don't know if anybody's ever read or heard about George Mueller, but I would encourage you to read about him. He was a guy from England, and he, was, he, he raised thousands of orphans. He had orphanages that grew from nothing. And you know what he did to get the money to provide for those orphans? He prayed to the Lord and he had faith. He never asked for a handout. He never asked for anything. But George Mueller said, you know what? I'm going to trust God. And he would pray to God. And every time, you can read story after story, every time there was a need, somebody would randomly show up at the door. Hey, we had, a, we had this happen and we got this extra milk here that we need to get rid of. You need any milk? And it would be that George Mueller had just prayed, God, we don't have any milk for the kids today. What are we going to do? It's story after story, a thing after thing after thing, and all from one man's faith and trusting in the Lord. He didn't have a luxurious life. He didn't care about anything else. He gave up everything he had to serve the Lord, and he trusted the Lord, and the Lord provided, and his story is a phenomenal story. Read about George Mueller. Look him up on YouTube. Watch a video if you don't like to read. One of my favorite pastors. Uh, I, I listened to him from time to time. Years ago, they planted a church. It was a small little church. And when they planted the church, they, they felt like God was telling them they needed to invest all of their life savings in the church. They'd been saving money, thousands and thousands of dollars their whole life. And they felt like that's what God was calling them to do. And so they gave up their life savings. Guess what? The church has flourished. They, keep, they continue to plant church after church after church all over the world. When I heard that story, I wondered, what if they wouldn't have? What if they wouldn't have gave up? What if, they would, what if they would have stayed in their comfort zone, stayed in their security and said, look, God, we want to serve you, but we, if we do this, it's going to affect our retirement. It's going to affect our future. God, we can't do that. But they didn't. They gave up everything that they had to serve the Lord. And as a result... Just like George Mueller, God blessed them because they trusted in Him. Now, I'm not saying you have to do that, but God may call you to do that one day. He may be calling you to do it today. I don't know. I'm not telling you today that you have to give up everything, but I want to encourage you to maybe give up something, especially if you don't spend any time ever praying to the Lord or spend any time uh, 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 reading God's Word, especially if you don't ever Use any of your, of, your, of your wealth that God has given you to help other people, whether it's making them a meal or buying them a meal or just some little something. I'm not asking you to give up everything, but I want you to pray about it. And maybe there's something that God will put on your heart. And you say, you know what? God, I'm going to give you a little more time. I'm going to give you a little more time in the Word, a little more time in prayer. I'm going to give a little more to help people who are in need. And as we do that, we, we continue in the process that is discipleship. We continue to grow in the Lord just as the early disciples did. If you want to find Jesus, you've got to seek Him. If you want to follow Jesus, you have to follow His lead. And if you want to follow His lead, it means sometimes there has to be a sacrifice. All right? If you've never humbled yourself before Jesus and accepted His sacrifice, guess what? He's not calling you to do anything that He hasn't already done.
Jesus has sacrificed everything for you to be forgiven. And he calls us to sacrifice a little for him. If you've never done that, don't leave this building today without putting your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. <coughs> Maybe some of you have been following the Lord for a long time. Pray that God would help you to continue to grow in Him. I don't want us to plateau. I don't want us to just think, boy, I've learned it all. I'm just going to come to church every week. It's going to be a one-day thing. No, following Jesus <coughs> is not a one-day event. It's not just when you're baptized. It's not just on Sundays. But we should do our best to follow Jesus every day of our life. Let's pray. God, we thank you for these words, and I pray that you would help us to, to grow in the process of discipleship, dear Lord. Just as you called your, your disciples in your word, dear Lord, they, they followed you. God, they knew who you were. They were looking for you. They saw what you did, and they trusted you even when they doubted you. And God, I pray that you would help us to do the same thing. I pray that if there's some in this room that don't know you, I pray that you would help them to seek you today. I pray, God, that when they seek you, I pray that through the Holy Spirit today that they would find you through your words, God. I pray that there's something that was said today, some word of yours that was read, that the Holy Spirit can use, that they would come to you, that they would follow you, dear Lord, that they would humble themselves before you and that they would follow your lead. <coughs> and God, for those who are in this building today, maybe they've been walking with you for a long time. Dear Lord, maybe you've been leading them in one direction and they've walked in another. We do that sometimes. God, help us to look for you and see where you are and come back to where you are and stand beside you and go wherever you lead us. Give us the strength and the boldness to do what we need to do, to trust in you and to say, God, at your word, whatever you call us to, Lord Jesus, let us do what you say. I ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.